Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, welcome to our service today, and a special welcome to those of you who are visiting today for our uh, memorial service. It's lovely that you've been able to come out today to share this time together, and it's been lovely to reconnect with some of you who I haven't seen uh, for a long time. So you're most welcome back in church today. And just a few wee pointers for those of you who haven't been uh, for a while. We're beginning to return to something like normal in church. Obviously, seating is, is fine compared to what it was even a year ago. We are still leaving by the vestry door. We need to think about why we do that. It's just habit now because we do it, but we still leave by the vestry door. Um, and the collection plate's just behind me if you want to uh, leave your offering in uh, today. Um, just a few wee announcements before we start. Uh, Worship Elders, your magazines are available for uh, pickup in the Forsyth Hall today in the office. So, uh, please do stop in and get those on your way from church today. Um, after the um, lighting of the candles, we'll be coming up, those of you who are involved in that, will be coming up lighting a candle, you'll be using a taper, we'll have folks stationed at the end of the aisles to give you a wee scoosh of gel if you want it, because we will be passing tapers from hand to hand, so if you want some gel, there'll be folks stationed there to help you with that as you return to your seat. And just to say that you're all very welcome to stay for tea and coffee in the Forsyth Hall afterwards if you would like to. It'd be lovely if you could stay on and we can continue to, to chat and catch up. But those are all our announcements, so let's begin our worship this morning in the words of hymn number 43, O God, you are my God alone. Let's worship God together.
be seated. Let's take a moment to pray together now. Let's pray. A new day dawns, Father. Once again, we wake from sleep, receive the gift of our own lives, and begin the day. We wake to the truth of our own bodies, whether young and strong or feeling the wear and tear of age. To the truth of our minds, whether happily content or clenched around our worries. And to the truth of our souls, whether whole and at peace or fragmented and in disarray. And though these truths seem like our ultimate reality, we gather here in the faith, no matter how small that faith might be, that there is more to life than this, more truth than our minds can hold. And the great truth that surrounds us is that bidden or unbidden, God is in this place. Each day, knowingly or unknowingly, this is the sea in which we swim. But it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And in you that we find our ultimate end. The great hidden truth of our lives is that they are not our own. We have them on trust. And one day they will find their way back to you. We need to travel well. And so we thank you that on this journey of life, you've not left us without a guide, but sent Christ who isn't just the way, but the truth and the life, the bread for the journey, the light to guide us, the safe doorway back to the Father and the resurrection power that spells the death of death itself. Our eternity is bound to his through his death on the cross and his resurrection. So help us even now to learn what it means to keep in step with the Spirit of Christ, to accept the forgiveness and renewal that he offers, and to live each day attentive to the God who is already with us. So hear us as in a moment of silence, we bring you the prayers of our own hearts coming to you this morning, just as we are. Loving God, three in one, bless, console, affirm, or convict us at our point of need, especially this morning. And if we have been asleep to you, help to wake us up, to receive the gift of your life within us, and begin this day as a new day. 
All this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our friend and our Saviour. And in his name we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We gather here on this particular Sunday with a special purpose in mind to remember those we love who have passed on into God's keeping. Some were well on in years and died having lived life to the full, leaving us with good memories of love and faithfulness to hold on to. And others were taken from us too soon, and though we're grateful for the time we had with them, the pain of their loss is still hard to bear. There are no shortcuts to healing or recovery, but there is comfort to be found in travelling this road in the company of others. And as we remember our loved ones together, whether lost recently or long years ago, we're going to join together now in a proclamation that is displayed on the screen. And we'll say this together as you would like to. We trust that beyond absence there is a presence, that beyond the pain there can be healing, that beyond the brokenness there can be wholeness, that beyond the anger there may be peace, that beyond the hurting there may be forgiveness, that beyond the silence there may be words of wisdom, that beyond the words there may be understanding, that through understanding there is love. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, today we want to bring you our thanks for those we've loved who are in our thoughts, especially this morning. We bless you for everything that made them so unique, their loves, their interests, their capabilities, the things that we loved and appreciated about them, all that made them precious to us. Thank you for the time that we had with them, even when those years weren't long enough. Thank you that each in his or her way has left a mark upon us and upon this world because faith, hope and love are the only things that last forever and in different ways we saw those things in them. Bless us in our times of sorrow and heal us with times of joy and give us companions to walk this journey with us because we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Normally at this service, we especially remember the folk who passed on over the last year. But given the circumstances of the pandemic, we decided to go back a wee bit further for the sake of those who didn't get a chance to remember their loved ones in church in this particular way. So the families of the folk whose names I'm going to read out shortly uh, got back to me 
And after those names are, are read out, I'd invite the representatives from those families to come up and to light one of the tall candles in memory of their loved one. And once all those tall candles have been lit, there's an open invitation for anybody who's carrying grief or loss this morning to come forward and light one of the wee tea lights in memory of the person that they're missing. And so today, we particularly remember Richard Mayne, Mark Adams, Thomas Donald, Daphne Paxton, Bill Murray, Kevin Murray, Helen Robertson, Alexander Paxton, Ennis Christie, Andrew Paxton, Edward Findlay, Pat Leslie, George Sinclair, Molly Forbes, Anita McCaskill, Sheena Hill, Angus Brown, David Spencer, Mame Nicholl, Margaret Smith, John Morrison, Wattie Ritchie, and James Robertson. So I would like to invite the family representatives now to just come out, make their way to the front and, and uh, light a candle for us. light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. Our next hymn is number 16, The Lord's My Shepherd, and we'll sing this to the tune of Brother James's air.
Our reading this morning is taken from John's Gospel, John chapter 11, and reading verses 1 to 6, and then 17 to 27. And Jeanette Lamb is going to read for us. The death of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Thanks, Jeanette. Let's take a wee moment to pray together now. Let's pray. <clears throat> May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our God and our Redeemer. Amen. All of us, to a degree, suffer from deafness or hardness of hearing, although not necessarily in a physical sense. Sometimes we find it hard to hear what other people are genuinely saying to us, either hard in the sense of difficult or hard in the sense of painful, and sometimes hard in both senses at once. 
Somebody comes up to us and makes a remark about the weather and all that we hear or allow ourselves to hear is a remark about the weather. Looks like we might be getting some rain later is all that gets through to us. But what he's really saying, maybe, is I'm lonely. Will you talk to me? Or maybe I know that you're lonely and I want to try and talk to you. But in our deafness, we don't hear that. We hear the talk about the weather, or the crops, or the family, or the ailment, but often we miss what they mean. And more often than not, what they mean is, I want you to listen to me. I want you to know me. When we speak, we're not just communicating information. We're also communicating something of ourselves. But most of the time we're too busy or too deaf to pick that up in our conversations. But every now and again, something reaches our ears that goes that little bit deeper and a light goes on. We know that there's more going on in the background than perhaps we'd realized. The writer and pastor, Fred Beekner tells of a time when he was out shopping with his wife and as they stood at the checkout she looked into the basket that he'd been accumulating and she gave him a hard time for adding a couple of extra bottles of wine into the basket and he shrugged and he says oh well you only live once and then it happened he writes this thing that broke for a moment through my deafness it was a hot, muggy afternoon, and the cashier had been working hard all day and looked flushed and hectic there behind her cash register and the racks of sweets and the chewing gum and the TV guides. And when I said, oh well, you only live once, she broke into the conversation and what she said was, don't you think once is enough? And of course they laughed as she had intended them to laugh. But afterwards, as they thought about it, Buchner found himself wondering where those words had come from within her. What was she really saying? Was she saying, I'm sick and tired of this job? Was she saying, you've no idea how hard my life is at the moment? Was she saying, I feel trapped? I don't see any way out. You only live once, he said. Don't you think once is enough? She replied, straight off the cuff. It gets you thinking. Especially on a Sunday like this, when a good number of us are here, because someone we love experienced too little of life rather than too much of it. Why would she say those words? Don't you think once is enough? Well, I guess we all know the weariness that can accompany our living at times. There are spells when life seems almost entirely drained of music and colour. Circumstances wear us down. Responsibilities narrow our horizons. The drudgery of routine saps us of joy. Life 
in those times gets reduced to the business of just getting through the day. And if you're speaking out of that place, it's small wonder that one life seems enough, or maybe more than enough, to be going through. Or sometimes we're just so busy that we miss life, even as it happens to us. We've got a full schedule, a busy day, a host of commitments at work and at home, but the danger is that life then becomes a game of join the dots between those different commitments. Getting from one meeting to the next, or one appointment to the next, or one task to the next as fast as possible. The writer Albert Hubbard says that when we fall into that way of being, life just becomes one damn thing after another. And in the middle of that, even the best and most energetic of us find ourselves wondering if this is the life that we really wanted to have in the first place. Don't you think once is enough, she said. And if that's the kind of life you're describing, I guess maybe she's right. But here's the thing. All of us know that life has more than that to offer. And we know that because we've tasted it. We love, we create, we tend, we grow, we nurture, we laugh, we share, we worship, we play. We pray. There are things that we can happily lose ourselves in for hours and hours and hours. And these things are as individual to us as our fingerprints. For me, as playing guitar or reading or shaping words into poetry, some of you run, some of you garden, some of you walk, some of you read. Others love being amongst animals, others love company or being with family or traveling or music. And we cherish these things, these God-given gifts and experiences. And when we've, we've passed through them, we cherish the memory of them because they're what makes our lives worth living. And God willing, there are enough of them scattered through our days like little diamonds to make the leaving of this life hard to bear for everybody concerned. Hard for those who've lived out their days. Harder still when someone is taken young and still with so much living to do. Don't you think once is enough? She said. Of course once isn't enough. It's not nearly enough. But on this side of eternity it seems to be all that we get. And if that were the end of the story, I think it would also be the end of hope. I don't in any way disparage the work of the humanist folk who take funeral services. I've always believed that as a minister, my job in a funeral service is twofold, to do justice to God and to do justice to the person who's passed on. And I try and do both in, in my service. But I can't fault the humanists and how well they do the latter. They often give a very good reflection on the life of the person who's passed. But at the end of the day, no matter how much bonhomie and celebration there is of a life departed, a humanist service has very little to offer in the way of hope. Because in that worldview, the person you loved in his or her entirety has ceased to be. 
It's all past tense, apart from what you carry in your heart and mind. And as the Apostle Paul once said, if for this life only we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. But in Christ, the Christ who is the resurrection and the life, the Christian dares to hope for more than that. Fred Beekner puts it this way. He says, once before, out of the abyss of the unborn, the uncreated, the not yet, you and I, who from all eternity had been nothing, became something. Out of non-being, we emerged into being. And what Jesus promises is resurrection, which means that once again, this miracle will happen. And out of death will come another realm of life. We live in a cynical, secular age. Any talk of life after death is written off as mere comfort for the gullible. But it's a brave person who from this side of the chasm dares to tell us what's on the other side when he or she has never actually crossed over for themselves. I came across this wee story a while ago, and it, it always makes me smile. The story is that there were twin babies nestling together in the mother's womb, a boy and a girl. Do you believe in life after delivery, said the boy. Of course I do, said the girl. There has to be something after delivery. Nah, I don't buy it, said the boy. I think this is it. What would life after delivery even look like? I don't know, said the girl, but I guess there could be more light than there is here. Maybe we'd use these things down here for walking. Maybe we'd learn to eat using this thing here, our mouths. And the boy laughed. He said, that's rubbish. We're not made to walk, you know that. And eating with their mouths, are you kidding? We get fed through the umbilical cord and any fool can see it's not long enough to stretch very far. Well, I think there is something more than this. And maybe it's different from how things are in here, said the girl. Nah, that's just wishful thinking, said the boy. Nobody's ever come back from the other side. Delivery's the end of life. Once you're gone, you're gone. I don't think so, said the girl. I think when we're delivered, we'll see mother and she'll take care of us. Mother! You believe in mother? Where is she now? Well, she's all around us. We're living in her. Without her, this place wouldn't even be. Well, I don't see her, said the boy. And until I see her, how can you expect me to believe that she exists? Well, I can't see her either, said the girl, but sometimes when we're quiet, I'm sure I can hear her and sense her. It's almost as though I hear her heartbeat. I know it's hard to believe, but deep down, I'm sure there's life after delivery. And I can't help wondering if part of the reason we're here is to get prepared for what that life is going to be like. When it comes to life on the other side, we are all still in the womb. None of us have crossed over and none of us can speak with certainty. But there is one who can speak with certainty about that life. You'll remember that he died on a Friday and he rose again on a Sunday. And it's in his name 
that we gather here today. And in the midst of our human unknowing, it's his voice that we in the church choose to listen to on these things. And he tells us, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asks Martha, whose brother Lazarus lay still in the seemingly inexorable sleep of death. Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who was to come into the world. I believe. We started out this morning remembering that we don't always hear what people are trying to say to us and it can be hard to hear any good news when you're living in the shadow of a death. Weariness and sadness can make you grow deaf to hope and tired even of life itself. But Martha heard Jesus that day. She really heard him. She trusted him <coughs> for all that she couldn't know and would never understand. And her brother, born again from the tomb, showed her that her faith was not in vain. <coughs> and that even death itself can't hold those upon whom God has set his love. Do you believe this? He asked Martha. And he asks us the self-same question today. May we, like her, hear and trust and believe and find hope in Christ, even in the face of death. Amen. We're going to take a moment now just to pray together again. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, on this day when we especially remember the friends and the family who have died over this past year, we want to lift before you all those whose grief is still raw and are finding it hard to come to terms with their loss. Help them to trust you for each small step forward and give them good friends who will walk with them through these dark and lonely days. We pray for those struggling to pick up the pieces again, trying to find routine and purpose and new ways of doing things now that a loved one has gone. Bless those confused by paperwork, maddened by red tape and upset by people's thoughtlessness. Give them the help they need to chart a safe course into an uncertain future. Lord, we ask you to bless those who find themselves feeling guilty at moving on, as though that were a betrayal to someone they love. Be with those who feel unable to move on, who become stuck in grief 
and see no way out. And be with those who've come through their particular time of trouble and can look to the future with faith and confidence. As they plan ahead, keep them mindful of you and determined to make the most of the time that you've blessed them with. We remember today those who are walking through the valley even as we speak, making their own final journey or accompanying someone whose end is near. Those who find themselves living in the shadows because a diagnosis has been unkind and the future has become uncertain. Those whose lives are hanging in the balance because powerful and dangerous people hold all the cards and all the weapons. Lord, as ever, we pray for strength, for courage, and for justice for those who need it most. And we pray for all who, out of love, are doing what they can to help and to serve their fellow human beings. Lord, in the face of our mortality, we place our hope in you. So hear our prayers because we ask them all in the name of the one who conquered death for us, Jesus Christ. Amen. We close our service now in the words of our final hymn, number 736, Give Thanks for Life.
now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Thank you.